Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here, make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www themusclementors.co.uk if you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics hypertrophy sleep improving your online coaching services and much much more then be sure to join up you'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a truly elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible this is all in the form of video lectures weekly live education sessions and study groups you also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community, full to the brim of other professionals who, like yourself, are focused on providing the best health and physique-related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now, though, grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back. This is a guest interview, episode 30, 31, 31. Nearly messed it up on the first line of the podcast. Good start. Um, we're joined today by another avid muscle mentors. What will we call him? Athlete slash mentee. Mentee, shall we say? Just released an ebook. Do we get commission that ebook, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> We're joined by Mr. Joe Brightman, and I'm here with Luke as well. Joe, how are you, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. As we've just discussed, it is a rest day today, so lagging a little bit, but I made sure I got my, my meal one in, and I'm now on second hot drink of the day, so um, I've got enough energy to get through this hour. Essential hot drinks. Luke's just played tennis. Yeah. Yep. All right. Luke yeah. rang me about 10 minutes ago and was like, I've just finished playing tennis. I'll be on in five minutes. <laughs> Standard. Standard. So today's going to be, we're following on from the, the, I actually contacted Josh and John on the same day when we had this idea, but the whole notion of, uh, I guess, from an educational standpoint, some of the podcasts that we put out are, can be pretty full on in terms of knowledge bombs and having to concentrate pretty hard and 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 the content that we that, that's going on at that level but we wanted to bring a slightly more personable touch to the podcast as well and go into the people that are around us in the industry and the people that we know familiar from education or for our clients that are doing great things and obviously joe was on the top of the list with um this upcoming pro debut and also quite a unique I think your entry into the industry has been pretty different to what most people would go through as well in terms of, you know, not necessarily coming from a PT background, but coming from more of a, you know, a nine to five corporate background, if, if that were the right word to say. Yeah. And obviously, like you just said, I've not got any, any knowledge bombs to provide. So people can just sit back and relax and then least take any notes on this. One. <laughs> um, so let's, let's, let's break down. Obviously 2019, 2018, you turned pro 2019. 2019, two years 2019. And obviously, this is at a time where you were working John Lewis full time as well, right? Yeah. So nine till nine till five thirty, John Lewis, um, and then coaching at that point was was I actually started coaching in like 2017, uh, but it was very very still. I think I've, I probably had between ten to fifteen clients maybe um, at that time when I was doing that prep in 2019. Yeah, but still a lot. And in terms of like logistics, how, how would you kind of run your day if that were, I know that prep was pretty full on as well at times in terms of the aggressiveness that you had to go through. Yeah. So I guess I, when I, it was funny last year when I sort of had, I had got to that point where I was full time and I was like, Jesus, I think I might like take some time off. Like I need like a, I need some days off. Cause I kind of realized that tw since 20, probably 2018, 2019 I'd not had a, a single day off because I would do my nine to five Monday to Friday and then most of my all, all, all my client check-ins were Saturday Sunday and it was like yeah. a, and then and then started bleeding into Friday and then Thursday and so on so um I guess my my setup for the week would be Monday morning 
I mean, I, I, we can go straight into sort of, you know, where, where, where prep was at that time. And it was obviously quite a, Christian called it a shotgun prep the other day, I think, uh, which I think is a very good sort of word to use. It was, it was sort of like, okay, they're just showing seven weeks. And then, and then we had an iron one in, in six weeks. And it was like, well, it's in England. Should we just go for it? And I was just a bit like, oh God, but um, we went for it. Um, and so, yeah, as, as we've spoken about just previous to the, the podcast, it got pretty serious pretty quickly um i mean cardio was in immediately obviously as we've just spoken about food got pretty low and then on top of that we've got the nine to five and, and training so my daily setup really was i would get up around i think half five maybe quarter to six i would get on the bus and then the train into uh into victoria i'd go to a gym around there so i went to gym box which i absolutely despised. which one did you train at victoria okay I used oh, to train the I trained at the Holborn one for like eight months when I used to work in London. Yeah, I mean they're all not great, but that one is particularly bad. Um, yeah. But it was either that or like pure gym. And I did my previous prep in pure gym, and I was like, nah, fuck that. Yeah. So, just um, the just the atmosphere, like the fact that you're basically in darkness the entire time. <laughs> no, just like well, atmosphere and equipment. I mean, it was just like such a lack of, and and I think it's probably you know it's probably a good job that my knowledge of biomechanics and machines and all that had came after because yeah. I think I would have been even more pissed off um, <laughs> at having to use the the kit that they got here. But it was like you know, say it was like 100 percent of the gym, a good 50 percent of it was either CrossFit or boxing. Another thirty percent was like cardio, and then there's literally like a, a two small rooms of, of weighters and machines. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't a great environment, but it was the best that I really had access to. I kind of my hands were tied. I had to choose a gym that was close to my work, and it literally was around the corner. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd get up, get up. Yeah, five forty-five. Have all my stuff ready from the night before. Literally pack a bag, throw my clothes on, get to the gym. Uh, half an hour commute do my cardio um and i think abs if i would have them on that day um get through that cardio which i think as we spoke about got up to sort of 45 minutes in the morning and then go up have a shower go to work for sort of 8 a.m half eight um and then really i i I think i and i still do this now i really like to utilize intermittent fasting for 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 when i'm dieting particularly when food gets low so i'd almost live on a coffee that morning and then and then have my first meal around one or two p.m um after you trained no so the the morning the morning session was just was always cardio oh okay sorry yeah Yeah. i always did cardio in the morning um so i was yeah essentially fasting until sort of 1 2 p.m i'd go for a walk at lunch um that was always a good sort of way of getting my steps things i think they got up to fourteen thousand as well and then then i'd sort of have two meals in the afternoon so i'd have the like lunch if you like and then sort of a pre-workout meal which was i'd probably have around 4 p.m Leave work about half five, five, half five, go to the gym, then do my evening session. Um, and then I, I have so many like flashbacks of like being sat on the train back to um, back to my flat with like, I have this tiny little Tupperware. You must've seen them. They're like the smallest ones of like 30 grams of Cocoa Pops in. <laughs> and I just used to sit on the train. You like, can sniff that. I used to sit on the train and just like put my tongue in it and it would stick to my tongue. And then I'd just, that'd be my mouth. I'd just be like, just sit there like, like pulverizing it in my mouth, like just every last, every last bit. Um, and then I'd, I'd get, I'd, I'd typically get home at like half eight, 9 p.m. And then I'd spend literally like probably from half eight to half nine cooking that night's dinner and preparing the next morning's breakfast, lunch, pre-workout shake, post-workout shake, intra, pack my bags, probably sit down for half an hour and then go to bed and do it all again five days a week. Literally, um, I'm pitching all these commuters just sitting next to Joe while he's just like, <laughs> mate. Honestly, I, I, I would hate to think, and I, I probably just didn't give a shit. I, I, oh, yeah, I was just like, literally, kid, like, I don't care. It's the coconut um, pops kid. Literally, here he is again. Um, yeah, that was kind of that was like my day for well, what I thought was going to be six, seven weeks, and ended up being in the end. I think I prepped from Feb till yeah, Feb till May. So Feb. March, April, like ended up in four months. Mm. Um, and obviously I was peeled from that first show. So the next, like, so that was, that was hard. Um, but it was interesting really with the shows and stuff as well, because obviously I had to take time off work to go and do the shows. I had to, there was, there was the, the show that I actually won in the end. I literally told my boss like the week before, because I, I kind of decided not to do that one. I was going to have a little break between sort of the third and the fourth. And then, do you know, what? I was like that third one I won. It was the first time I won my class. And I basically, there was a, there was a guy there, a guy called Mokhtar, an Irish guy, classic guy, um, who I, I met at a few shows across the, across the time. And he literally took me aside and he was like, 
you are so close. Like you, if there's a show in two weeks, you have you have no choice. Like you've got to do it. And um, that caused a lot of arguments because like my family couldn't come. Um, I think I'd committed to going away for the weekend, but I was at that point. I was just like, it's like now or never. Like I have to get this card. Um, so I yeah. So then I I mean I probably some people probably seen the vlog. It's it's a brilliant vlog if I say so myself. Like it's probably the best one I'll ever do. But just me on my own going out to fucking Denmark and yeah taking the taking the card finally and breaking down um like i'll look back on that that was that's like probably still is like the best day of my life um and obviously that makes it all worth it wait yeah. that's the best day of your life not coming to one of our practical games <laughs> they were probably second and third <laughs> obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't i don't think like well i don't have any i don't think i have any clients now that are going for pro cards or are like I'd consider like very very competitive bodybuilders or athletes that aren't PTs or online coaches who are like just that's all they think about whereas like balancing the two I think is far more complex in terms of lifestyle and fitting everything in like if you're an online coach and you try and turn pro your entire day is revolved around bodybuilding whereas if you're working nine to five you're trying to fit time into to spaces you don't really have yeah, hundred percent. I think, I think the the funny thing is, I think when I look back and even, I mean, not even when I was in the moment, like to be quite honest, like I was dead to the world. I was only thinking about, I was only thinking about the next meal, the next training session, the next show. I would probably sit at work and like be on Skyscanner, like what flight am I getting to my next mm. show? Um, but I can probably be brutally honest about it now. But it, you know, in that prep in particular, but in any prep, like my there's there's no way I could focus on work or anything. I was I was purely focused on. The job at hand um so yeah it's it, like you say i think the difference is that when you're an online coach or like as i am now or as a lot of people are pts you you have that autonomy over how you construct your day you don't answer to anyone not really anyway um whereas i had to be somewhere at half eight i had to be i had to be in meetings i had to be present and um you know i had tasks to do for other people which you know, it was always tricky. So like I said, I was kind of trying to pigeonhole, okay, where can I do my cardio? Where can I get my steps in? Where can I train? And at what time? Um, look, luckily, meals were quite good. They're quite fle- they were quite flexible with it, so it was fine. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was hard. And I think, I think looking back on it, it takes, it takes a lot to sort of appreciate probably what I put myself through, but I was just running yeah. on pure, I was running, running on pure pressure and and, and stress that I put on myself because it was it was that was do or die for me. Like I, there was no way I'd be here now if I hadn't got that pro card. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a case of like not life or death, but in terms of how my life turns out, it was it was it was it felt like life or death. Mm. How long after you turned pro did you go fully online and uh, stop with John Lewis? Um, it's probably a year. Right. It was probably about a year. Um, or actually, no, it wasn't. It would have been a year and a half, but it was about a year between me turning pro and making the decision. Um, I, that's another day I'll remember, mate, so I die, because I was obviously talking to you about it. I remember walking around. I still remember you. we were at the Birmingham seminar and we were sitting in Nando's in the... We are sitting in the Nando's in the New Street Station. And I said to you, like, oh, you should just stop that job and just go fully online. And obviously you'd, you'd, uh, you'd absolutely kill it. And you'd be like, oh, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure about... And then obviously when you take the leap, you realise, don't you? Yeah, it's crazy. I think a big a big moment for me was, um, I, it was just I had just had a bit of a realization. I was like, just stop like doubting yourself for a, for like one minute, and just actually tell yourself you actually can do it. Put the the steps in place, and then there's a safety net there anyway. Because like, I guess we're kind of transitioning into that that sort of nine to five to to online coaching thing. But lockdown presented me with an opportunity to be at home all the time. You know, commuting was removed. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't have a gym to train at. Yeah. There was nowhere to train, and it was a case of like you can you can make something of this if you if you spend some time doing it. Um, whether that made it any easier or not, I don't know. I still remember I spent I spent the whole of lockdown working. I worked every day again because I was just relentlessly trying to grow that business. Um, and as I got a couple of months in, and I realised I'd had more clients than ever. I was like, it's probably time to stop limiting yourself now and actually yeah. start thinking what what you can do. Um, so yeah, that was that was that really. I think that barrier is like self-created for mm. for for ninety percent of the time. People just create their own barriers in their own head, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, that's an. I mean, the relentless factor there. Stuff that was obviously a big theme that came up talking about it with um with Bridgman 
about you know his his approach just literally just relentless you know set yourself a goal and move towards it um which is um i mean you can see you know similar to josh why that 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 mindset's obviously served you well both in competing both in business yeah i mean how did you find the um because obviously i mean the lockdown situation made that relatively straightforward as a decision but I'm assuming there were quite a few. Like, I'm assuming it wasn't easy, and you said you worked every day. But like, what, were there were there any like big struggles or challenges you faced in kind of going, okay, I'm actually going to give this my like full attention and make that main thing, or was it just kind of pretty natural organic growth? Uh, I don't know. In terms of challenges, I think I was like really surprised with how how I was able to grow the business. But I think I don't, I don't think that came as an accident. I think there were people in the industry, and I think, again, sort of inspired by you guys, there were people in the industry in that lockdown that, like, stood up and, like, took like took the bull by the horns, as it were, and other people, you know, struggled. Um, didn't, you know, a lack of ideas, a lack of inspiration. And I think that's fine, but I think you've then missed an opportunity, and, and I've taken it, and so have other people. Um, I think, it, I, remember, I remember that day when lockdown was announced, that first lockdown, I think I had about 28, 29 clients on, on, that, on that night. And then I was like, shit. I was like, I've never written a home program in my life. And the first thing I got to do was to start researching things. I was like, right, I need to find how to program from home. I need to find and all these ways of intensifying and helping my clients enjoy it. The first thing I did was I sent out a message to say like, hi guys, don't worry, like, I'm here to support, like, I'm going to be working through this over the next few days, you will all be issued with plans. And just to make sure that, that, like, the clients that I had were secure. And then from there, it kind of, I kind of built on that. Um, I think just tried to provide some, some light at the end of the tunnel, some inspiration on social media for people, you know, show them the workouts I was doing, show them the movements I was doing, show them, like, the difficulties I was having. Um, And that undoubtedly served me so well, because my business, like, doubled in lockdown. I'd set myself a target, like a, a number of clients that I needed in order to be able to quit my job. And it got like another 30% on top or another, if I set myself, say I had 30 and I wanted to double that, it like it did that and then and then again. And I was like, shit, like I'm on something here. Um, <laughs> and it was at that point that I was like, really just biding my time because I was buying a house as well. So I couldn't quit my job because I needed the, the, the mortgage. Like they need to see that I was obviously um, had a salary. So, but yeah, I just think, like I said, I think I don't think it was an accident that that happened. I don't think it happened out of, out of luck. I think it was purely that I sort of stood up and was counted in a tricky time when people were struggling. Yeah. Um, and as I said, that was like largely, you know, inspired by you guys and, and the knowledge that I've get, like gotten from you in terms of the, the courses that we've been on um, and following you through, like even through that time, I think you, like James was brilliant. Um, you, you, you and James both go because obviously you were filming a lot of movements and stuff um, that was super helpful for me and to then relay that to my followers I think just enabled me to um, to push forward business so yeah that was that was quite cool in terms of like how that that setup was that was a case of I'd gone from working you know nine to five in an office from Monday to Friday and then probably doing Saturday Sunday check-ins and then it was as it as it sort of bled out of Saturday and Sunday it sort of started going to Fridays Mondays Thursdays, Tuesdays, and like I would just get up at like five a.m. again and work all morning, then start my job at nine, um, and then work in the evening, and then obviously the weekends. And that was, it was just the way it was. Like it, it wasn't the case of being daunted by that. I just sort of fell into that pattern, and it obviously, thank God, because like now I've sort of established myself. If you like, hmm. you keep the um, when you stopped at John Lewis, did you keep the structure in day to day, or did you like completely change the way your day flowed? I so I'm I would say I'm like a like a morning person so I very quickly realized that like I get my best work done like early doors um so I I kind of I was actually very bad at that um and I kind of got help with working out my routine and like using Google Calendar to say like I'm going to be doing this at this time and this at this time because otherwise you suddenly I remember thinking I was like oh god I'm gonna have so much free time and I didn't I had none because I was like it, probably nowhere near as uh, as efficient like my back was no longer against the wall I had all this time I could train when I wanted and I noticed quite quickly like when gyms had reopened and stuff I was spending like three hours at the gym when normally it'd be probably an hour and a half yeah. you know and sort of things like that you sort of but then then again I was kind of like but hang on that's why I've done this but like a big reason of me going full-time was so that I could 
you know put more time into yeah. my bodybuilding and my my career in, 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 down that avenue um so i kind of yeah i kind of realized that but i was like oh it's not actually such a bad thing like you you've you've earned the right now to to give the give yourself the luxury of time when it comes to training and doing the things you enjoy that are going to help propel your physique and therefore your business forward yeah um but i definitely had to sort of rework my structure and i think now it's in a really good place um so i'll tend to like like i said my, my main work block will be from like 7 till 11 a.m um and then i'll sort of eat train come back and then i'll leave the sort of the lesser tasks for the afternoon so youtube editing or yeah. um or just you know life admin stuff yeah yeah, I think, I think if if it were me, you know, I went from something that was like that routine for such a long time, I'd almost have to almost stick to a similar routine. Otherwise, I'd just fucking lose the plot. Mm. Like if you're always getting up at say five a.m. We used to work for John Lewis. Now you're suddenly getting up at say eight. Then the whole flow of your day is just completely changed, isn't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that I would I like I would have always and I will always kept in even last night. So today's a rest day, and I was like, oh, do you know what? might be a good idea to get up a bit later tomorrow because I'm not like fasting for so long. But then I was just, I sat there on the edge of my bed, like setting my alarm and I was like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> I was like, let's just get up at the same time. Like just embrace that suck for the morning. I've got shit to be getting on with. Like, let's just get it done. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. Like once, once you find that rhythm and that routine, it's like, that is like your Bible. Um, so wouldn't there be, you... Like from a circadian perspective, Luke, wouldn't there be like merit to keeping those standardized times as well? 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. During a prep, you'd want to keep your sleep and wake times as consistent as possible because you want to make sure that sleep duration and everything was as standard as it could be day to day. Yeah. But even from like a cognitive perspective, they've shown a lot of benefit from that. Like it's better to have the same amount of sleep every night than have like sporadic days where, you know, you have a bit more this day and then a bit less and a bit more and a bit less. So, yeah, in a prep, that would serve you pretty well. you got to be productive. What would you say, like, so on weekends, I just don't, like, I, I set an alarm every day other than at the weekend. And if I'm going to set one on a Saturday and Sunday, it will just be a bit later on. Yeah. But that's because I, I almost feel like, okay, you've got up at six every day. You've got a bit of a lesser workload on Saturday. Give that body a bit more rest. Like, is, would you say not to do that? And it, to be honest, the thing is, it tends to be like, I wake up within an hour of that window anyway. So it's not like. Yeah, it's difficult because like the, there's the social jet lag thing. Some people will be like, oh yeah, you kind of, you know, give yourself social jet lag and then it takes a few days for your body to readjust and it's kind of not the best thing. But when it's like it's different if you're waking up naturally as slightly later versus waking up and then forcing yourself back to sleep for like three additional hours, that's when it'd be a bit of a problem. So I think, yeah, if you've got that where you're just like, I won't set an alarm and you're still waking up like roughly around the same time, there's just less pressure, it's probably a good thing. Especially yeah. like, especially when you have those days a week, which I feel are important where you say like, actually I'm, I'm like giving myself a little bit less to worry about here in terms of like, you know, you're giving yourself a bit more of a freedom. It's a, it's a good thing, especially from like a stress management perspective. So yeah, as long as it doesn't get ridiculous and you start looking, you get the people that are like, I'll wake up at six and then I'll just go back to sleep and wake up at 12. And you're like, you fucked it. Mate. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had, I had one day a few weeks ago where I think I got up at like 6.45 and I was like, oh, I'm just going to get a few more hours in. And I um I think I woke I woke up again at like half eight and I just felt fucked for the rest of the day. Yeah, I was like I just felt awful. I was like I'm I'm tired. I'm sluggish. Like I don't even want to get out of bed at eight o'clock. I was and I've got I was like I've got to do cardio. I've got to go and do my steps. Mm. I've got to train. I was like I'm not doing that again. Yeah. That was awful. Yeah, we spoke we spoke about that on the education board the other week where like longer sleep seems to be more problematic than short sleep. Oh, yeah. uh, but it's but it's it's like they've shown it in the research that that longer sleep is associated with feelings of like lethargy and fatigue because it seems to be that people will it's you know they'll extend the sleep artificially or whatever like forcefully by forcing themselves back and then whether it's so they wake up out of a dodgy sleep stage and they're kind of a bit groggy in or it's their body's just like i didn't really want to go back to sleep for another two hours like you know and then yeah and then it just messes them up so yeah, as long as you don't do that you'll be fine brutal uh, yeah. I always, well, I, I set the, you know, the Lumi alarm with the light. Yeah. I always set my phone as well, but I put it on the other side of the room. Yeah, it's not a bad shot. You've got no choice but to go and turn it off. Otherwise, well, unless you can sleep yeah. through an alarm, but that's why it, it, it forces me to get out of bed and walk over. And by the time you walked over, you're like, right, I'm good to go now. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I've never set an alarm well, since I've been 
work like working for myself, self-employed yeah. and stuff. But the but I sleep with the curtains open. So my wake up is timed with the light coming in and hitting me. And like in the summer, it tends to be a bit but earlier in the winter, it slightly extends the time I'm in bed. But the um because obviously like it's just dark for but the I, I've always struggled with like waking up with like the stress of an alarm. Mm. <laughs> Never enjoyed that. And I think I trust myself to not set an alarm. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, well, I, I I always wake up around seven o'clock. So anyway, so it's like yeah. within a little bit of that, and then and then, but then it gives me quite a good indication if there's days where I'm like, I've, I've like, like, I'll sleep for much longer. It's like, okay, clearly I needed that. Why did I need that? Yeah, true. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, this you know, stress has been pretty high. Yeah, or 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 you're like, okay, maybe it's overtraining or something like that. It can be quite a good tactic. But then equally, that's good feedback for like when you're working with clients and they're like, I set an alarm, but I'm starting to feel really fucking tired every time I wake up. You're like, maybe your body's needing more. Yeah. You're not giving it. Like, because it is a dynamic thing. Like, there'll be that fluctuation. No one ever consistently sleeps for six and a half hours all the time. Like, it's, it changes, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so, off season wise, obviously you, you mutated and that was pretty successful. Yeah. Obviously, that was, I think, like, the the contribution of you being able to go, quote-unquote, all in to that lifestyle as well probably contributed to that progress in the off-season as well, right? Um, this, is, uh, this, is a, this is an interesting one. So there's been, there was a, a couple of differences. That, that off-season we've just run through kind of spanned across the whole time from me being still full, full-time employed to yeah. obviously now full-time self-employed. Um the, the, the thing that I realized very quickly after that prep was like, I absolutely hated that gym that I was training at, that gym box. So I've, I've, I flipped everything on its head and I started training at, in the morning. So I started doing fasting sessions at like half five at King's Gym, Mitcham. The reason they had to be so early was because I had to drive there and drive back um, and obviously get back in time with traffic and then get to work. So the schedule almost flipped on its head entirely. I stand I, I, I where, where previously I was getting up early doing cardio and I was almost in work early and able to leave work early. And then I totally flipped it where I was getting up at half five, going to training six till eight, probably getting to work a bit late, which was still fine because it's like flexible working, but then leaving, having to leave work a bit later. But I quite liked that because that allowed me the that allowed me the affordable luxury of being able to chill out in the evening a bit more. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a, I think there's a few a few things that that play into that. The success of that off season, I think <clears throat> number one, it was like the first two year off season I think I'd done since being assisted. I think secondly, it was a, a, a just a, a wildly improved understanding of training, of biomechanics, of like internal focus, all the things that you've taught me essentially for through the courses that we've been through, um, and then obviously the coach. So it, you know everything changed. That the the training was entirely different. There was a huge like focus of I mean it, it was it was splits I hadn't really seen before or even thought of yeah. before you know you go from I remember looking at it, I think that I think there was there was one where we had I think we were doing back like four times a week in some in some aspects and that was fine because I could recover from it and it might have just been like a bite-sized bit of back on one day like literally like three sets but that frequency across the week was was really building up um and obviously the final thing is that we we pushed up higher than I'd ever pushed up before so we added another 10 kilos on in that first uh in that first sort of push up and then obviously spend lockdown pulling back and then we push up again and that second one really I remember thinking well fuck we're on to something here because I'm like 110 kilos and I've got ab veins yeah um you know so but yeah of course I helped to be able to to switch that focus to sort of fully bodybuilder if you like but I don't think I've really been able to actually rinse that as much because obviously the gyms have been open and closed like intermittently. So um, when was it? It was it was it was September that I fully went, you know, solo. Um, and then the gyms were open for what September, October, closed in November, opened up again in December, closed again in January. So November and January certainly weren't my best months in terms of progress because of where I was. So I was obviously in Dubai. Um, and that sort of stop-start nature of things was, was was not ideal. But I mean, yeah, for those two months that Mike, myself, Tom, and Josh got together to train, um, where they were they were they were sublime. And if we'd had that this prep, I don't doubt it'd be a, a kind of another entirely different story. But it's mm. not the not the way the story's going to go. Yeah, <laughs> you have to be a new BBC crew in um, in Dubai, mate. Yeah, <laughs> find another one. 
<laughs> sack him off. No, that's, uh, no, I agree with everything you said there, apart from the um, you know, coach, he's obviously not that good, it's for the shit. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, the, the are we going to announce the, the show schedule or are you going to keep it a secret? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a secret as such, but I think I'm, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a video in a in a, the next one I film with Gigi is gonna be a bit of an explanation of what the hell's going on basically. Because mm. um, as it stands, I think everyone has just seen my announcement video that I'm doing New York Pro, and they think it's straightforward when it's bloody well not. So yeah, um, sure. I will explain it all um, at some point soon. But yeah, I mean, Carl, I don't I feel like every day we talk about a different show, but yeah, we um, change we change your plan every day. <laughs> yeah, we can give we can give people a vague. A vague idea that the plan will be to, to get to America somehow. Um, swim for the New York Pro. Yeah, swim to America. Well, no, that, that won't help me. Uh, they'll stop me at the border because I've come from the UK in 14 days. Um, but yeah, the, the plan will be to get to America and then stay there for a, a string of shows. Um, TBC. Yeah. It's uh, it's logistically hard, but it will, it will happen. Is the plan for are you going to head out with Cal or are you just going to stay? And I can't. Right. So I, I bought. I spent two grand on flights. Can't even go. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> uh, oh. It is what it is. We we got a nice Airbnb as well. We but it's nice Airbnb. Everything was sorted. Then shared yeah. bed, twin bed, double I mean, bed. It'd, it'd have been sick. We had Joe. Oh, I just yeah. up for training. Oh yeah. Oh god, yeah. You have to still. You still have to help me sort that out. Because that would be a big boost. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's fine for you. Yeah. Cal, no, Cal, if I can't be a part of it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sabotage him, Joe. Sabotage. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's not ideal, but it's um, it's just the way it's going to go. Yeah, it's one of them ones. It just, I think these, I think you're, I think quite often your career is like defined by these kind of moments where it's like it's going to be whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of relish in that. You know, the ones that you know, the, the, the stress that this has caused me isn't the stress of can I do it? It's a case of am I gonna do it? You know, what making that decision once you make that leap, I find it a lot easier to deal with the whole thing. Mm. Um, and it does just feel like one of those sort of one of those big moments where it's a bit like, let's just go at this, um, and, and things will work out because they always do. Touch wood, yeah. We, we were talking about it before, obviously, we. We hit, we hit record, but like differences between this prep and last prep is always quite an interesting one to to discuss. Obviously, um, like we touched on that with, with Mr. Bridgman as well, which is quite an interesting conversation. But I mean, you've obviously got some interesting comparisons already between how this one's going compared to last. But I mean, anything you can share there would be quite interesting. I just, I think I said this on, on AJ's podcast. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I think the what what's what shocked me and been a bit of a, a shock to the system is this kind of expect the expect, expectation versus what's actually reality like what's actually happened i think from the outside looking in and even from the inside looking in, i thought it was going to be such a smooth start to prep i thought it was going to be a smooth prep from start to finish and, and that naivety has, has bit me in the ass because obviously we, we came back to bunk testosterone which has left my my test at 15 nanometers which is slapped we were, we were going to change passing go uk the fba and then everything sorted so we're all right yeah so <laughs> it's a tricky one it, it, it felt a bit like that first four weeks were, were wasted i remember um you just you just get into sort of prep mode and you, you you know you're ticking all the boxes so you think you know this this will be going well um, and you sort of don't get bogged down in the day-to-day changes, but I really was expecting from the off to see day-to-day changes based on the starting position. They just weren't coming. Yeah. Um, I guess the good news is that this second, what well, we must be into the second three or four weeks now, and obviously things have changed like drastically, yeah. um, which is good. I still think that uh, it's still a long way to go. There's still a lot, like a lot to come off in order to be truly peeled. But I think I'd, I'd say we're sort of on track now. No, I think you should. I think you should he spent the last three weeks growing, so now we, now we can start losing some body fat again. That's yeah. it. I think you should just listen to the like, like over hypers, mate. Like Olympia, like number one in the world. Like, don't even worry about it. Just, just yeah. coast, just coast in. <laughs> don't even worry about it. <laughs> mate, that's uh, easy. I think now we've got um, now now we've got like more of a a clarified idea of what the timings are. It's easier to kind of zone in. 
in your mind as well whereas before it was like are we seven weeks out or are we 14 weeks out i don't really know where i'm where i'm coming or going here whereas now it's like right well you know now is the time to to move and push because we've got seven weeks exactly agreed i think i think that was another thing for me as well that sort of back and forth thing was was quite like mentally tricky because you know seven weeks out was like business end of prep 14 weeks out where you, you could start a prep at 14 weeks out so yeah um I, and I think I work a lot better when my back's against the wall anyway. I think we've seen that from what I've done before. Like, as I said, that last prep, like, there is no free time. There is no spare time. Like, you have no choice but to get the work done because you've got to get ready in six weeks. Yeah. Um, but equally, it's nice to have that in the back of my mind, like to know that when the, the going gets tough, like, I can get fucking going. That's like kind of, I'm ready to, I'm ready to like fall back on, on that sort of hardcore prep mode if you like um yeah. i don't think i deal too well with with it being easy and mm. such like i think it's much easier to get fully committed to a process when you know it's hard yeah. um and also the final thing is as well i think just on the that first four weeks and then this next four weeks is when you start seeing the changes when you actually st- you start seeing your work come to fruition that on its own is like all the energy you need yeah um I think I look back at some of my my pictures from last time, obviously like week on week, and things are changing so quickly. It's like you almost can't not be excited by how you know your body's changing. Um, whereas when it's a bit slower and a bit steadier, or for four weeks, not at all. But despite you know you're you're pushing harder and harder, and nothing's happening. You feel like you're spinning your wheels. That's when it can get on top of you. And I think to be honest, that's why that's probably why I fell off like the other the other week is just because. I think I got to a point where I was just so fucking stressed from not seeing any progress. I was like, what, like, what is the fucking point in this? Yeah. Um, but then suddenly when you start seeing it, it's like addictive. Um, even Cal, when, when the other day when we thought we were suddenly 14 weeks out and you 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 pushed my food up, I, I very nearly replied saying, I don't actually think I need that push yeah. up. Like I was almost like ready just to, like, I don't care like, at this point. Mm. Um, but I didn't want to be that client. I don't like being that client that um, doesn't listen to the coach. So got on with it. But obviously, you know, it's coming back down now anyway, so all is fine. But it's just, uh, it's very interesting. Um, I was having this thought the other day, I think someone posted on their screenshot the other day when you're like, you, your, your coach gives you like an off-plan meal and there's almost a point where you're just like, oh, I don't want it. Yeah. Um, the other day, I think it was it was, it was post my little episode, I watched a, a video from Cooper that I found really interesting and, and he was speaking about, you know, if, if, if your calories allow it and you want to have something, rather than putting it in that, on that shelf, in that box, on that pedestal where you can't get it. Like go and go and have that that one thing that you want. I like say it was a muffin. You know, there's ways to get there's way I could easily fit a muffin into my diet at the moment. What I don't do is go to Sainsbury's and buy a box of four. I'll go to Costa and get a single one. Um, but I, I got into town and I'm looking at I'm like, ah, oh, do you know what? I'd actually just rather my meal free. Yeah. <laughs> like you get you get them. The, the the juice is never worth the squeeze. Um, that's what's I think that's what's what's kind of like become quite apparent to me um yeah. over the last few weeks is the reality is never as good as you build it up to be in your in your mind um and especially not if you then fuck up and then you have to deal with the repercussions of that the, the following day yeah. um really ask yourself when you have those when you have those moments like is this really worth it yeah. um, and am i going to feel good for it am i, am I going to feel good after it and am i going to sit back and think yeah that was a good decision because the answer is probably not see it seems like such a common mindset among you know yourself individuals like you that are going after these things but it's that relishing of the challenge and i mean we probably all agree that things are way more valuable when attaining them costs something pretty fucking substantial and if you're like you know you, you you're buying the car that costs you loads of money that you worked hard to to earn like that thing's got a lot of value maybe but in the case of yeah like you say a prep that's harder is going to be far more valuable. Like the whatever you get out of it will be more valuable potentially than one that you kind of just coast through. You're like, yeah, it didn't really have to work that hard. But when you've busted your ass, like it's a way more rewarding experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost like it almost shouldn't be easy anyway. No. Like I should never I should never have had that mindset of all oh, my, my prep's gonna be easy. Um and if I think I've, I think I'd, if I'd have carried that for much longer, I would have just been thinking something's not quite right here, actually, because it shouldn't be easy to get shredded glutes. Like it's not good. It's not. It's not. You're not going to coast into that. Um, something's going to hurt one way or another. Yeah, I nearly died. <laughs> <laughs> Casual, just dropped it in. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. With what the 
elephant feet. <laughs> there, there, was, there was two times on that prep we were living with Hannah's mum and dad. There was two times on that prep where I passed out on a dog walk and I woke up on a dog walk, like on, on a dog walk, on my own. Ava was like licking my face. That happened twice in prep. God. <laughs> I've never heard that. Man. <laughs> the, the, the only person I've ever told is Hannah's mum because I was living with them when it happened. He's like, why have you been gone so long? I was like, oh, just had a little episode. <laughs> How long did you, were you gone for in that situation? Like, a good, like, for, for that? I have been out of the house for like two and a half hours. Fuck me. <laughs> Supposed yeah. to call the police, mate. Where's Cal? Just getting extra steps in. The, the most the most impressive thing was Ava was just like sitting by me the whole time, bless her. Well, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not leaving the side. But she didn't run and go and get help. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you call the police? <laughs> uh, but no, it is true. Like, you know, the, people got to understand the, the depths of going to those extremes requires a little bit of sacrifice as well. And, you know, the people that are winning the shows are the people that are taking themselves there. Yeah. So. 100%. Or ramming all the drugs and coasting. But even then, like, <laughs> even then, it's like, I'm kidding. It, the, the pharmacological side doesn't outweigh the, the effort. Because we all know people that have dosed up to the eyeballs and they won't be the ones winning if they're not willing to put the, the hard yards in. Oh, amen. Um, amen. No, it's cool. And, it, and it's like, it comes, comes back to when we had Larry on the portal the other day and he was talking about, Type A, Type B mindset, uh, yeah. Type A, Type B personalities. But I've been the last week or so. It's more. It seems like, or uh, well, last couple of weeks since you came on, it seems to be more a case of Type A, Type B mindsets. And if yeah, you could probably come up with Type C, Type D, whatever as well. But like the laid back, and then the like super on it, like OCD, data driven, like goal driven, all these things that you're just fucking marching towards that goal. And obviously people aren't like that all the time necessarily, but they have the ability to switch between when, when needed. Because like, Joe, you're a fucking laid back guy. Like I've spent a lot of time with you, course and stuff like, and would you say in the off season, you're, you're far more laid back? Yeah, way more laid back. Because yeah. like, in my opinion, like practice is, yeah. prep is a time when it's like, like you're going to give your life to that thing. It's going to be a hundred percent. It's not going to be fun in the, in the conventional sense of the word. So I will absolutely maximize my fun in off season. Um, and I think I've been like a walking example that you can do that and make a literally ridiculous amount of progress over the last two years. Like, I almost can't believe my like weighing in these days, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm I am now leaner than I was like at, at X point last prep. I'm literally ten or fifteen kilos heavier. Like, the, like there's that the, we're gonna have put on ten kilos of muscle mass. I'm I'm confident of that, um, and that's going to be minimum. And that's from someone who's been training now like what nine years. Mm. Um, so it, it, it can be done and, and that's like, I'm just a walking example of, I just don't think you need to be robotic in, in, in the off season. Um, and to anyone who says, yeah, you do. So what about like Kevin Lavoni then? What about Seabum who has six weeks off after he wins the Olympia? Like there's so many examples, these, these, these top level guys that literally take time off, mm. like fully off. So I've never gone to that level, but like, you know, I, I don't think, if anything, that shows me that you don't need to be eating the same goddamn meals you are in the off-season as you are in prep, just in bigger amounts. Like, fuck me, go and enjoy yourself a little bit. Um, I think another, life. yeah, another example of that is um, old uh, Rafa Brandau. You see him, like, pictures of him when he's not, you know, off-season, whether, whether, I don't know if he was off-season, but he's clearly off everything, just mm. enjoying life. Yeah. Know? And you're like, looks like a normal guy. And then, like, like 10 weeks 12 weeks later you're like okay there he is yeah he's he's great yeah yeah i just and i just i kind of i almost want people to understand that i think it's really important and i don't i i had this sort of debate in my head with myself over the last few days i'm like does that take away from my professionalism as a as a bodybuilder as an athlete and i kind of think it just it's just me sort of expressing myself and like paving my way mm-hmm. um and i also wonder if if people are as truthful as they like sort of make themselves out to be um, in terms of the industry, like how much of it is cloak and dagger? How much of it is smoke and mirrors? Um, and you can never really know that until you spend time with, with someone one-on-one. I'm sure there are people that are robotic year round, um, but I can imagine it's a, 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 a minor number of people. Yeah. The, the, the big consideration is there, like you've made the progress because you still tick the bigger boxes. You just haven't worried about the minuscule boxes you potentially only think about in prep. 
Yeah. Like you still train your ass off. You still, you know, train just as hard as anyone else. But the the minutia with the details, you kind of turn on when you need to, if that makes sense. And I think that's an important, important skill. Yeah, so I mean, it's unsustainable. And so, I mean, they've and they've. I know it's debatable because some people claim. I know Chris Beardsley put a post out recently claiming it's not, but self control on some occasions has been shown to be a finite resource. So if, if someone wants to spend their year day in day out, just like super on it, everything they do, they're kind of self you know, exhibiting a massive level of self control in whatever way. Mm. It's a hard to think they could sustain that, which is why again you think, okay, sustain it for sixteen weeks of a prep, something like that reasonable and the people that can do that best are the people that are going to win um and but the people that can't is maybe they've dealing with too much and, and like there's some interesting research for the people that want to look into that where they've like actually measured the fact that it just runs out quicker so if you set the conditions up right mm. <laughs> um, and um you know it's uh so yeah it's, it's fascinating stuff and it yeah it makes a lot of sense in that conversation for sure yeah i think like it, it, the, i think the the ability for you to kind of switch it on and be a little bit more razor sharp with it is almost improved by the fact that you do give yourself a little bit more leniency when you can, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess as well, it's like it's like it's like more tools as well. Like if you're using five out of ten tools in the off season, then you then you whack that you, you bring them all out in prep. Like it's almost as if they're going to be even more efficacious. Like there's there's, there's I'm not I'm not playing games with sleep anymore. Like I've cut out any food that causes it any any sort of discomfort whereas in the off season I'll probably allow it like that performed way I remember having that and just thinking oh this tastes so good I'm going to have it like I wouldn't even dream of getting that in me at the moment I'm like I don't even want to know the effects of like how that's going to make me feel after I've had a shake of that same with like yogurt like I absolutely love yogurt and it's such a good prep food but it causes me discomfort at the moment so I'm not going to be I'm not going to have it like I'm going to I'm really I'm dialed in on 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 the nutrition side of things sleep is like Non, you know, it's like it's obviously non-negotiable. Not that I particularly negotiate with it in off season, but like the blue light blockers are on. Um, you know, I'm taking those steps to make sure that that it's happening perfectly. So, yeah, like you said, I think it's you almost sharpen those tools when you get in the prep, and maybe that makes them even more effective than than if you were doing them anyway. If it makes sense, but I'm sure people will argue with that. Right. Yeah, there always will be. Hang on, fantastic. So yeah, I mean, how long have we been going there? Nearly an hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's probably a good place to wrap it up. But I mean, absolutely fantastic stuff there. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of people that can relate to that journey of thing, but equally there's gonna be potentially some people that go, I've been at this for longer than Joe and I'm really struggling, and you're like, Well, take a leaf out of the guy's book and just fucking go at him, you know. You know, it's um it's doable. And and the the, the thing that I pulled from a lot of the stuff you you mentioned is, you know, it's, it's impressive, like very impressive how, how quickly you've grown your business. And it's even more impressive when you consider it was mostly done in the fucking lockdown, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, um, and it just shows like the value there is to give if, you know, if you're willing to apply yourself, which you've, yeah. um, and you've, you've, you apply yourself in all areas as well, which is why obviously there's success everywhere. Um, and um, yeah. So awesome stuff, my man. Awesome stuff. Um, I think one of the big things about just to, just to string that out a little bit, but I think one of the big things about your um, business growth is the fact that you come over very relatable and yeah. likable as well, and people yeah. buy into you as a person before they buy into you as a brand. Yeah, I think that's that's been a big. You know, you're obviously a very good coach, but people buy into you as a person as well. And that's why they obviously build that trust. So I think that's an important thing to take away, like being yourself and having that personality and having something unique about being yourself on social media that makes a difference. It's a very good point. Because I remember when we first met and I was like, oh, it's Joe Brighton. It's IFBB Pro. He's the the man. And then, um, and then, you know, you spend time with you and you're like, just a normal guy. Like, I have yeah. this, I have this conversation with um, Dr. Mike quite a lot. I'm, I talk with I talk with Dr. Mike quite a lot, and he's like, I literally forget that you're like an excellent bodybuilder sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, that's just like that's just a tag. I just like I am pretty normal, I think, as far as it goes. Um, but yeah, I think you, I think you're right, Carl. We have not even really touched on that, but I think if that was a point that I'd leave people with, I think it's something that I've always stuck to is literally being just like unapologetically myself when it comes to social media and bodybuilding that's why i'll be honest about my screw-ups that's why i'll be honest about that kind of not 100 mentality at all times because it's not me 
I'm not going to try and pull the wool over people's eyes. And I almost want people to understand that they can make a huge amount of progress with their physiques and they can literally change their whole lives without sacrificing absolutely everything. Now, there are times of the year when, yeah, of course, you have to do that. And to get from A to B sometimes is completely necessary. But other times, it's, it's I think it's just as necessary to just enjoy yourself as well. Like, are you really going to be lying on your deathbed and thinking about how you missed off 10 grams of cream of rice? Like, I don't think you are. I missed that meal by two hours. Damn it. Damn it. That one meal when I was 28. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Like, to be honest, if, if you're if you're Mr. Olympia quality, that's not what that's not the difference, unfortunately. Um it's 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 really not. Yeah, very true. And yeah, good point to end on. Very good point. So no, mate, thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming on. Um absolute pleasure. Pleasure to chat to you. Where can that's we awesome. uh where can we find you? So Instagram is at brightman underscore IFBB pro. Uh, probably YouTube's the only other one, which I think is, if you just search Joe Brightman or Brightman Fitness, that's probably the best place to go. No, I mean, um, we meant genuinely when, where can we find you? Like, where, where you <laughs> Geographically. Geographically. <laughs> well, that, that remains to be seen. Ask me, ask me again in like October. And I, might have, I might have nailed that down. And uh, is, the, is the PS5 still available? Yeah, no winner yet. I still no need winner. to decide. I need to decide how to how to choose a winner. I'm going to be a late entry, and I expect pretty good treatment there, Joe. Yeah, do with a PS5, all right? I can't believe you've not entered. I know Cal wants one, so I'm waiting for his entry. That's probably one one. It's open till the second of April, so you got a little while. Okay, I'm fine. Actually, imagine. So yeah, take that. Um, but no, mate. Best of luck with the prep. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see how it turns out. Um, We'll be following on very closely. And I know, obviously, Cal will be following along pretty closely, I'll too. Closely, yeah. <laughs> it's like after this podcast, Cal, you're fired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> man. Uh, but yeah, dude, we will uh, we will catch up soon, I'm sure. But um, thank you again for coming on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors, who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry. Firstly, our original sponsor, Supplement Needs. They've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health-orientated products, you can use code MUSCLEMENTORS at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep, our recently introduced food preparation partner, delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new Pro Prep range, a concept closely developed with us to solve an issue we see day-to-day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, RAR Optics, the highest grade blue blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style. In a world filled with artificial light, particularly those with high screen time, I can certainly say I'm one of them. These can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery, something we use personally on a day-to-day basis. Grab yourself a pair by using code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for money off all orders. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Until next time.